0: This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. For a free audiobook of your choice and a 30-day trial, go to audiblepodcast.com. Forward slash bff. Also, this episode is brought to you by Warby Parker Eyewear. Get boutique quality, classically crafted eyewear at revolutionary prices. For a free home try on of five stylish frames of your choice, go to WarbyParker.com. When you decide to purchase, enter the promo code BestFriend to get three day free shipping.
1: This is Corolla Digital.
0: Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. And if you like what you're hearing, which, come on, let's face it, you do, make sure to tell a friend. You can find us on iTunes, the app, or my site, AllisonRosen.com.
2: Allison, Rosen.
0: Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm here with Greg Proops. Hello, Greg Proops. Hi, Alison Rosen. Hello, Gregory Everett Proops. Is that right?
1: Uh, Alison Rachel Mitch. Rosen.
0: It's funny you say that. People guess that my name, they feel like I look more like a Rachel than an Allison. And I say, I get it. You're saying I look Jewish.
1: Well, in an enchanting way. Oh, thank you. But Rachel's no. a fabulous character from the Bible.
0: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no. Actually, my middle name is Michelle.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. so can I call you Shell?
0: Sure. That's my mom's name. Actually. Oh, really? Shelly is my mom's name. Oh, yeah. Well,
1: then I won't call you Shell.
0: No, that'd be weird. No. Yeah.
1: Do, but do you, anyone ever call you Allie?
0: Yes. Oh, okay. A lot of people call me Allie. Oh, okay. I you like could Allie. be one of them. I'm.
1: I'm fixing to be that one of them.
0: <laughs> I feel. Soon. Yeah, fixing. Not a lot of people fix to do things no. in this part of the country. No,
1: they more in Texas they fix. Yeah. Everything's broken. So they have to fix it. It's
0: a lot. It's a giant state to to be fixing things in.
1: Kittens it is.
0: I know. Um, This is officially your third time on the podcast. I couldn't be more excited. Thank you for having me back on. Thank you for coming back on. Um, And two things. One, you sounded like Jiminy Glick a tiny bit when you just said that and that made me happy. (laughs) And two, I think you might – Gary, is he the first Pete?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And wow. I, don't, I think you missed it when we were playing the intro song, but he was drumming along, too.
0: I love that. I love people who love the song. I feel like we need some kind of special sound or something for a three-time guest. Surprise us, Gary.
1: Boom. Bam. <laughs> there you go. Boom, bam.
0: Yeah, because you were on uh, a little over a year ago, mm-hmm. and then the special live episode, which is a fan favorite, and that's available as a bonus episode in the iTunes, comedy album section of the iTunes store. Um, that was a super fun episode. And then Here You Are... So welcome back for the third time, Greg Proops.
1: I'm totally honored to be the first repeat. I didn't realize.
0: Yeah. That's it's very special. exciting. I know. Um, so, so much to talk about. Uh, had a harrowing trip over here. Today is one of those days where I want to throw my phone out the window because instead it, it – it, you know that little – that tiny little circular butthole it gives you when it can't find the 3G? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just a real circular butthole yeah. kind of day, um, and then also I wanted to go back and listen to the episode from a little over, or from August of 2012 because there's all sorts of things I want to get into with you. And I was like, but wait, did we already get into them? I don't think we did. But I don't want it to be like Groundhog Day. I don't want it to be like let's let me ask you everything I asked you last time. Well, well I'm let's, happy to let's, give
3: a different answer. Let's establish that Groundhog Day is an awesome movie.
0: Oh yeah, okay. no, I mean I would love for like a great to holiday, be... absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I would love for life to be like Groundhog Day. What happened to Andy McDowell?
1: I don't know. She got divorced from her husband, and then she ended up doing a bunch of ads. That was the last time I saw her. Her daughter, I think, is a model as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Andy was a model. I mean, if you remember the Tarzan uh, movie, they dubbed her voice in Mm -hmm. once upon a time. That was some while ago. Uh, (laughs) I guess they felt she didn't read her lines properly, and then she ended up being the lead in about a thousand movies in the 90s. Right,
0: right, and her lashes were fabulash. Or something and like and she's
1: gorgeous. She's got that imperfect beauty, you know. Oh, Her yeah. nose is a little crooked. Her teeth are a little goofy. It's fantastic, and loads of hair. She's all hair, isn't she? She is. Yeah.
0: I mean, I wonder if she is anymore, though. She well, Probably, but she's is.
1: still a fox. Yeah. She's right up my street, but that's because she. I don't. You know, I prefer people in my age bracket, as they say.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you, did you see Saint Elmo's Fire? And do you remember when Emilio Estevez, who played. I think his name was Kirby had a huge crush on her and he drove all the way out in the snow to see her but she was hanging out with some other doctor. Oh wow. I guess you didn't see that one. I
1: you know what? Somehow I missed that of all the Brat Pack movies. But wasn't was Demi Moore in that as well?
0: Yes, she was. Everybody she was played in that Jules.
1: One. Oh, Jules.
0: Mm-hmm. She was strung out on coke.
1: Were they surprise? Were they a band? Called no. St. Elmo's fire.
0: Oh, silly Gregory Everett. I don't know his full name. No, I mean that'd be cool, but no, they were just a bunch of postgrads oh. living in Boston, and um, they hung out at a bar. And St. Elmo's fire was this. There was like a very pivotal moment where Rob Lowe is sitting in this, um, like very empty apartment with Demi moore who's freaking out over her stepmom and the wind is blowing in and it's billowing and i think she's maybe suicidal or faux suicidal it's a cry for help and um he's explaining to her how sailors way back in the day would get thrown off by saint elmo's fire because it's like just a bunch of light but there's not really anything there and i think the suggestion was that's what she was doing with her own problems like she was all spun around but only when I was older and I watched it, I realized, well, it's because of the drugs. Well, I missed yeah. that the first time. She's
1: was paranoid. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I can feel like a man.
0: Man in Motion! Yeah. Who <kingdoms> <fruit> did <does Frauen> Survivor? No,
1: they did Eye of the Tiger.
0: Who <coins> S- did St. Elmo's Fire. St. Elmo's Fire. I had that on vinyl. <gasps>
1: That's all right. I had new shoes. I can wait on vinyl.
0: So. <laughs> I, I did. loved new shoes. Remember that one? I can't wait. Yeah, 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 that was
1: it. I had it on seven inch, ten inch.
0: Do you even know how new shoes is spelled?
1: No,
3: but I'll figure it out. No, no, you won't. No, you won't. Saint Almost Fire is done by John Parr.
0: John Parr. Oh, there you go. Take a no. Don't look it up. Just guess how new shoes is spelled. Then we'll tell you. This is having fun with young people. With Allison and Greg. Uh,
3: N-U. Oh. Yeah. I love uh, it. S-H-O-O-Z. Yes.
0: It wasn't S-H-U-Z. You can't just let me have this. I think it says Was, O-O-Z. <laughs> was I, think it? You, I think you might be right. I think you think like an '80s band. All right, nice well, work.
1: Let me look it up.
3: Okay,
0: well, this goes that right. That was a guess, really.
3: A hundred percent. Yeah, wow. too but you young guys— to know. but you guys obviously hinted that it was going to be something very weird. Well,
1: obviously, it wasn't. No, they went with the Cheese Whiz yeah, spelling.
3: It's, it's O-O. Yeah, wow,
1: look oh, at
0: that. Were they from here?
1: I don't know where they're from. For all I know, it was just that one woman and then a bunch of synthesizers.
0: Was she, I feel like she was – in a video, she was right up in the camera just yeah, singing right, into Yeah, and she was it, right? holding
1: objects and it, yes. it was really oblique and it had nothing to do with the song at all, really. Right. It was fronted by a husband and wife team. Oh, <clears throat> oh, oh there you are. See, so there. So the, I assume he did all the computer programming. And she was just there to have short hair.
0: She was just the eye candy.
1: The eye candy. Yeah. Uh.
0: Did she have short hair?
1: Uh, that was my recollection.
3: My
0: memory is that she kind of had long hair and a ponytail.
1: Oh, did she
3: have a ponytail? Bait it. The picture I'm looking at right here is definitely long hair. Oh, okay, she had long, long,
1: hair. long blonde hair. M- I misrecollected.
0: I didn't want to go so heavily in this direction, but now I can't stop. Right. You know who I was thinking about the other day? Who? Laura Brannigan.
1: Yeah. Uh, she had the two biggies. There was a uh, Gloria, Gloria.
0: Yes. Gloria, and are and bouncing, and Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. No, but but the one that really I don't I did not understand it at the time, but it was um, in the day. Oh, yeah. There's no worries. Yeah. In the night. Yeah. Because she has no self. She has no self control. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, I yeah, wonder yeah. whatever happened to her. She's and hanging out with Andy McDowell somewhere. They
1: uh, they ended up I remember calling her Brannigan sometimes, which was like, really? <laughs> don't don't do that to a girl.
0: No. No, girls no. shouldn't
1: be their last name.
0: No, they should not. Uh,
1: like uh, Pat Benatar was always Benatar, you yeah. know, sort of in the 80s.
0: If she were in the New York Times, it would be Ms. Benatar.
1: Yeah, I, no, I love that. You'd be Ms. Rosen. Mm-hmm. Ms. Rosen's podcast recently had Mr. Proops on it.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, I wonder when or if, or when and if the New York Times will ever give that up. I find I hope it, they it a little don't.
1: much. Oh, really? I love yeah. it. And you know when I really love it? In the sports articles. Because it, <laughs> it is. Mr. Kaepernick threw for four touchdowns last weekend. <laughs> Uh, I remember reading a baseball article years ago where they called everybody doctor, which I thought was even better. Dr. Ruth authored a, authored a home run. No one wow. no one no one hit them, they authored them, yeah, like they were writing them, which I, I thought was fantastic.
0: Read that I would have no idea what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already don't. Uh last night some football was on. Actually, I can say exactly what it was because this is going to air very like uh, just less than twenty four hours after we record it, so it was the USC Notre Dame oh, yes. game, which is a huge deal for people like Gary and also for my fiance.
1: Right, for so, me not so big.
0: For me, not, really not so big either. No. Um, and some things happened where I looked at him like, "Who are you?" Mm-hmm. Because he was yelping various right, things at right, the screen, right. and it, but this sense that this is who this is who he is in that realm. Mm-hmm. I just haven't witnessed it. Um, which is okay, but it was like, who, who, it was like finding out he had been on a cheerleading squad and knew all the cheers.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is he a USC alum? Yes. Yeah, he is. Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. He refers to, to things that happen on the team as we.
1: Oh, oh no. We did this last night. Yeah. 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 No, that's we
0: we recruit just these giant guys. So that's why the refs are always called calling holding. I right. know what holding is now. Nice. And also, but I would ask, so when he would be super upset about something, I would want to know why. Mm-hmm. And then he would explain it to me using terms that I don't understand. Right, it was beginning right. to get frustrating. Because, well, because
1: of felt, the nickel D and you're like, I don't know what that is. I
0: don't know what that yeah, is. Yeah. What is that?
1: It's a defensive <laughs> configuration.
0: Trying to explain what – oh, someone was going to – if something's something, then someone's going to get sacked. And I'm like, I don't even know what sacked
1: means. Yeah. Does that
0: just mean tackled?
1: It does, but it usually means that the quarterback is the one who gets sacked. Most people don't get sacked. Most people get tackled. The quarterback gets sacked because he has the ball, mm-hmm. and so the defense chases him down. And when they when they nail the quarterback, that's a sack. Okay. For a loss. Or a, for a loss. And so the defensive backs, they'll always say they have five sacks this year. Oh. Or however many sacks they have, or how many they participated in. You
3: can get, get a half a sack. What I was going to say,
1: you can you, you can participate in a sack and not actually get credited with an entire sack
0: oh is, is a sack actually an official thing yeah yeah it's
3: a stat
1: yeah, yeah.
0: okay yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah like an interception or a reception or whatever
3: like are if you, you in... can put up consistent numbers on stats you can make a couple hundred million dollars oh do yeah that.
1: you can
0: i want to get into that it hurts <laughs> is are you into it and what are we even talking about
1: uh football uh no, <laughs> no i know but i like my niners uh but uh that's a. Uh, I, I haven't followed football closely the last few years. Really, baseball is the sport I like the most because I'm a middle-aged white guy.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so you're into sports because I think some would guess that you might not be.
1: I know people do think that, and then they go, oh, "I can't believe you're into sports!" And you talk like a sissy. Um, <laughs> I uh, I am, and uh, I uh, mo- but mostly baseball, and then uh, hoop when the postseason starts a little. Uh, hockey. Mm, when I'm in Canada with my Canadian friends, I'll I'll give it a go. Mm-hmm. Um, w- when I'm in England, the footy because they love the footy, right? But I like the World Cup. I went to the World Cup in 2006 with Drew Carey, and uh, and I saw a bunch of matches and and it was amazing. And so ever since then, I've really really followed the World Cup a lot more.
0: You know who hates soccer? Who? Adam. I he know. Really, hates but he's it. old
1: school, man. He's old school. He probably hates women's sports too.
0: I feel like you could have ended that sentence before the last word. Yeah, as well. <laughs> not really.
1: I, feel <laughs> I should take that back. No, he that probably likes it. That is the perception. It, that's that's a not perception, true. Well, yeah. a lot of Americans don't like uh the footy because they think it's too slow and no one scores and stuff like that. But the the thing about Soccer is you've got to watch it a bunch before you start to follow what's going on in it. And I don't claim to know what's going on, but it's a game of patterns and movement and stuff. It's not a game of mad scoring. If you want mad scoring, watch the NBA because they'll score 200 points in a night.
0: You know what I would be doing, Greg Proops, while everyone is watching mad scoring and yeah. I was pretending to follow along? I would have an earbud in and I would be listening to a book – that is recorded uh-huh. because that is a perfect way to read in this day and age when who has time or inclination to be sitting there flipping pages. I mean, of course some people like to flip pages, but I'm just saying you can listen <laughs> to, to everything on the go. Why not listen to a book on the go? And that is what you can do with audible.com, the internet leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many of the New York times bestsellers. We were just talking about them. Um, in fact, aforementioned fiance, the one who's into sports, made I'm I'm irritated that he did this. He is currently because he's a big Audible fan, like you guys are most likely or should be, um, and he. When he walks the dog, he listens to audiobooks and he told – it happened so fast that I didn't have a chance to go, stop, 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 stop. Uh, he told me the plot of the new Stephen King thriller, the uh, sequel to The Shining, Doctor yeah, yeah, Sleep, right. which they is have. It a pre,
1: is it a prequel?
0: Oh, I don't know. I try to avoid scary uh, okay, books. OK. All right. Yeah. But yes. No, I, uh, I don't know. Gary, could you look that up? I think – he referred to it as a sequel. Maybe it's sequel. Oh. Anyway, it sounds scary as hell. Uh, so anyway, he's enjoying that. So if you enjoy scary books, I recommend you get that one. But then, hey, don't tell it to your friends who don't want to be scared. I instead would recommend something like Jen Kirkman's I Can Hardly Take Care Aww. of Myself. Uh, I would and... too. Yep.
1: I haven't read it, but here's my review. It's you could... great.
0: That's my review. Yeah. A must listen.
1: Uh, yeah. A page turner, a barn burner. Exhilarating. roller coaster Road. Doctor Eat Sleep ticket. is a sequel. Okay. Yeah. Sequel. So it's about Danny.
0: No, it's actually. My understanding is. Are you
1: about
3: to do to the entire audience what Daniel did to you?
0: Scare the shit out of them? No. I'm not going to spoil anything. My understanding is that there's a little bit of overlap. Like, you find out what happened to the characters from The Shining, but then it goes in a different upsetting direction. You can download your choices and access them on your PC, burn them onto CDs, upload them to iPods or other MP3 devices. It's quick, easy, fun, and affordable entertainment for people of all ages. But hey, watch out for the scary books. But it's not just scary books. It's all kinds of books. Um, For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash BFF. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash BFF, BFF, because I am your best friend. That's where that's from. Okay. So let's get back to what we were talking about. Unless we were talking about sports, in which case let's get back to talking about something else. Okay. It was my desire to not repeat what we had talked about last time. Um, and I was trying to remember, did we ever talk about verses? No, that I don't game think so. show? Okay. I'm surprised I didn't bring that up last time because uh, I interviewed you on the set of Verses uh-huh. for Rolling Stone. I for remember. Little... You do? Of course. Okay. I was thinking today, actually, I was thinking, I bet you will remember because this happens not super duper frequently, but somewhat frequently that I will come across someone now in this incarnation of our lives. And I'll say, you probably don't remember, but like 12 years ago, I interviewed you and they never remember. Uh, But I figured you will remember because you are super smart.
1: Oh, well, that's very kind of you. you. You were but a child then.
0: I was pretty young. So let's tell them. What Versus what? Versus
1: was a wildly uh, unsuccessful game show <laughs> that I did on Comedy Central the f- same year that Jon Stewart took over The Daily Show. That'll give you an idea of how two roads diverge in a yellow wood, uh, to quote Robert Frost. And Because uh, I remember going to the Comedy Central party in Pasadena when they had the upfronts and hanging around with Jon. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so what's it like with the new show and all, man? And I, I even auditioned to be on the new Daily Show. I oh, remember. You did? Oh, yeah, I to read be a for Craig Kilborn's part. No, oh, no, to oh, oh, be the, to host, the host. To be the host. And uh, uh, boy, did they make a mistake because it has gone nowhere.
0: I know. I don't even know this show Thud. you're talking about. Uh,
1: so I did Versus, and uh, Versus was a game show, and there were the same writers as um, Ben Stein's Money, which Jamie was on. And uh, which I don't even know if anybody remembers that Jimmy was the the sidekick on A- around ben Stein's these money.
0: parts. They do, yeah. but I feel like in the in the general population, right. maybe they don't.
1: So Kimmel was on that, and that's where me we met. And I beat Adam on Ben Stein's money. Oh, you did! It was me, and this will give you an idea of what year it was. Mo Rocca.
2: <laughs> I uh, like
1: him. Yeah, I do too. I love Mo. I'm just putting it in context yeah. for all of your listeners so they can t- set the wayback machine. And
0: uh, yeah, turn up the new shoes.
1: Yeah, I, so, did I tell
0: the story the last time we were on? I don't think I remember. You did. I
1: remember Adam goes, uh, uh, the, the standards and practice person came in, and they, you know, because it's a proper game show, they have to read you the, the rules of the game show. Oh, right. And so they were like going through all the different things that could happen, and Adam wouldn't let the guy finish. And He goes, Well, I got a question. What if, they, uh, what, 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 what if there's a tie? And the blah, blah 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 blah. And then he interrupted again, and then he interrupted again. I said, Adam. You have a degree in woodworking. (laughs) I said, Mo went to Harvard and I'm a genius. You're going to lose. Could you please shut up so we can get through this? And of course, I won. Uh, Adam answered one question and it was the Eagles. Uh, What was the name of their tour in the long run? And he did a lap of honor around the studio. (laughs) And then he was eliminated in that round.
0: And uh,
1: I beat. I beat Ben on a laatrill question or some weird nonsense. It has What's to be, uh it's a it was a cancer preventative derived from apricot pits. Yeah, you heard me. And uh
0: Isn't that also where they get cyanide or is that apocryphal?
1: That might be, I don't know.
0: I've heard I there's some poison that comes from peach pit, pits or apricot pits, but I don't know if it's true or not. Was I've the peach pit that. the
1: restaurant on Happy Days?
0: No. It was the restaurant on 90210. Oh, no, you
1: know? I knew there was a peach fit in there a somewhere. Happy
0: days, it was, was it Owls Diner? Well, it was
1: Owls, yeah. Well, anyway, Versus was a game show. And this was the premise. We would have uh, Santa Claus versus Satanists. We would have Soccer Moms versus uh, Witches. We would have, uh, we had English versus French, this and that. Uh, the biggest douchebags that were ever on the show were the skiers. We did skiers versus snowboarders and they tried to... The skiers
0: to cla- were the douchebags. Yeah, the skiers
1: claimed that their buttons weren't working and stuff like that and I <laughs> went over to him and I said, stop fucking whining. You know, like I, I actually mm-hmm. did go over and, and we had porn stars versus nudists. We had Ron Jeremy and two, and two lady porn stars. Um, Julia something... And then an, a, one Asia Carrera, I think her name was. And that at the end, like whoever one. won, they were going to get naked. And I remember we had a meeting before, and we all came into, a, into the studio, and the producers went, look, there's going to be nudity at the end of this. So if any of the camera people or anybody working on the floor doesn't want to see this, you got to <laughs> opt out now, because when we shoot this fucker, we're going to really do it, and we're going to pixelate their genitalia. And one of the camera women went, I don't want to do it.
0: A woman <laughs> or a man?
1: It was a man, and he oh, didn't wow. want to do it. So the thing about porn stars and nudists is— Porn a little less, except Ron Jeremy was there. Um, you don't really want to see them nude anyway, if you know what I'm saying. Like, I didn't really want to see Ron Jeremy nude. Oh, yeah. And I went into the makeup room, and he was in my chair. Hilariously, oh. he'd off into my chair. <laughs> and he had orange from the neck up, and then a pallid, trout-like, you know, undersea creature color below. Wow. And he was wearing only but a robe. Ugh. And yeah, and and you could imagine, and I was, and he was friendly as could be, and they lost, uh, the porn stars lost, and the nudists were nude in the end. And how'd
0: they look? Like
1: everyone who wants to get naked, like Not they should so really good. do some, you know, serious crunches, right? So that's the problem with nudists is that they they never are ripped. You know, they don't look like Gabrielle Reese and her husband or whatever. They don't come right. striding in, you know, and.
0: Why oh. is that? I think because it's a, it's like a hippy-dippy lifestyle yeah. choice. It's not no. actually about exposing themselves. No. If
1: they were fitness fanatics and they were nudists, everybody would be like, sure, let me bounce a quarter off that. But no, it never <laughs> is. It's always just kind of, is that pudding? Oh, it's not. It's you. <laughs> uh, so that was the premise of the show. And so we uh, and, and it was, so the questions were like Ben Stein's Money because they had funny categories and whatnot. And we lasted one series. I am still best friends with the producers from it. And
0: they gave me. Uh-oh, you're this off the mic. Satchel. They gave me this oh, satchel. Wow. That, is I that...
1: Did That's how old that satchel is.
0: Do, do you rub some kind of cream on your satchel? Because it's in very good quality. I, I take it.
1: Uh-oh, off I'll the mic again. Now, I'll get back on mic. I take it to an <laughs> a, a, a awesome shoe repair guy. And he's, he's repaired it for me for these past 14, 15 years.
0: It's lovely. And it
1: keeps going. It Looks yeah.
0: very supple.
1: I, I, you know, the thing about leather is it cracks and then it gets wrecky, and you know, the, but that's part of But then of it the, works
0: for it, right? Right, yeah. that's part of the you thing. you got a lot of pockets in there. Do you do. I do. Now, do you have a, a system for uh, keeping different things yeah, in Yeah, the, the drugs pockets? go in this
1: one, and then my money goes <laughs> in that one, and the pens go in this one. Smart. And then everything else goes in that one. I'm old school. I carry a satchel. I have a Filofax. I I'm, I'm, like have I'm a Filofax? Yeah, I do. Like, I
0: had one of those. I recently found my old. Oh my goodness, yeah. where do you even.
1: Here's my wife.
0: I met her yeah. recently. She's beautiful. You did. You met I her cannot at our show. believe. So. I feel like there's people who might not even know what a Philofax is. Back in the day of new shoes and uh, Craig Kilborn on Daily Show, a Daily Show, you would if you wanted to be organized and carry a big thing around, you would either carry a day runner or a Filofax. The Philofax fax, like the runners, cool, they were even bigger. Yes, they were. The Filofax was the cool sort of yeah. your was like the moleskin version right. of the day runner, and it was a binder with. Six little rings, and then you'd have like your, uh, you'd have a notes section. You'd have oh, yeah. your schedule. You'd have your address book. Wow, do you have to order stuff for this online?
1: You can, and there's still stores that have it. And then uh, there's places in Paris and uh, that still sell foxes. Oh, I just keep loads of pictures hard of my photos wife in there. Wow. Yeah, I keep. I just and basically use it. And credit cards in a, the
0: little credit card slot. Yeah, yeah.
1: I keep pick, Basically, it's a photo album of my wife in various cute poses and various foreign. That items is and so stuff. cute. Yeah. There she is in a bunch of different places wow Jamaica These how did you
0: guys meet that's another question I wanted to know if we got to We went
1: to uh, college together
0: i don't think we discussed that last time
1: no uh my wife is uh uh eleven years old and uh <laughs> she's quite young uh, no we met uh, we met in college we were lived next door to each other and then we did, we went out in college, but nothing happened and then afterward uh uh a friend, she was working at a um, a food uh, gourmet shop in San Francisco, and one of my buddies went in, and uh, she said, "Oh, do you still see Greg?" And he was like, "Yeah." And she said, well, "We'll have a dinner party over at my house." So we all went over to her house for dinner, and I hit on her, you know, and that was that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that was the end of that.
0: What college were you guys going to? We went to
1: San Francisco State University, which was uh, not the most rigorous academic uh, place you could ever go. Mm. Basically, I just chased girls and smoked pot and stuff.
0: Were you a, lo- a big lothario in your day?
1: I had a moment. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was quite thin. <laughs>
0: I don't know if that's necessary for lotharing.
1: No, I guess it isn't. Uh, but uh, it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, uh, as a. And if I may quote Bob Seeger on your show, and I I think I may, but, yeah. uh, uh, as he says in one of his songs, I ain't good looking, but you know, I ain't shy. And so <laughs> <laughs> I think that was really the confidence wins the day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, no, I, yeah. I, but you know what? After I met my wife, I didn't care anymore. And that wasn't important to me. So it's never really been important all okay. this time. That,
0: what was it about her that made you feel like, oh, she's the one?
1: Well, she's stunningly gorgeous one. She, I, but, I will
0: uh, attest to that. Yeah.
1: She, but she's wildly intelligent and sensitive and... Uh, and it's taught me basically everything I've ever learned. I kind of feel like I've learned from her. Mm-hmm. I had to unlearn a bunch of things just to be with her, uh, which I think any, re- any good relationship, uh, that's what happens with your partner, you. And I loathe the word partner. But I'm not going to say lover because that's too gross. It's, it's uh, so Euro and gross. I hate the word lover. Ew! I really do. I don't even like it in songs that much when yeah. they say lover and stuff. Right. It's
0: like, Ew. It's, yeah, it's gross. Stop
1: licking me. Um, <laughs> you know, get off of me. Yeah. I'm, you're you're right. squashing me. I can't breathe. Yeah. But I'm your lover. Don't no, <laughs> no, 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 stop loving. Uh, and <laughs> right, I, and right, I detest you know that word as a euphemism.
0: Because two lovers – can't sit together and like look at Twitter on their phones. No. They have to be and they have to be having coitus constantly. Right,
1: right, because that's what you do when you're in right? What does she say? What does Uma Thurman say in Pulp Fiction? You know, you're in a, a relationship when you can sit together and shut this and shut the fuck up. When if you can sit quietly with someone right. for a few minutes, then you know that it's okay, and you don't have to frantically go pay attention to me. Don't you mm. still love me every two seconds. Um, so I think that's why. I mean, also I think. And this is going to – I don't know if this sounds sound pretentious or what, but it's honest. Uh, morally, I think we're on the same page, and I think that's really important when people are together. You see it so often here in Hollywood, Uh, stars or whomever, they get married to someone and after six weeks or whatever horrible short amount of time, they realize that they hate the other person deeply. Or as you know, in Hollywood, people have a lot of ulterior motives for being in relationships that love and respect is not even in the top 400. Uh, (laughs) I, you know, I marry for protection. I marry for money. I marry for fame. I marry to go upwards, whatever you're marrying to do. And then that's not a real solid basis. For, uh, I think you have to feel the same way. I'm not saying opposites can't attract. I saw the Scat Cat video with Paula Abdul. I understand right, right. she doesn't like cigarettes and he likes to smoke. <laughs> I, I get it, but uh, I, I've never believed it. In my opinion,
0: I don't think it. I don't think it really works.
1: It's more like a grudge. Uh, Love. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say a grudge fuck, but I wanted to be tender. Uh Yeah. There are people you meet and you're like, I kind of hate you, but I'm, I'm hotted up enough to I can give this one a try. Right. But I don't think that's a basis for ever and ever. Um, I think you have to kind of feel the same way about things. And I mean m- about morality, about politics, about ethos your how you live your life and all that jazz
0: had you dated people who you didn't feel like you were on the same page with morally before yeah
1: i mean i went i had a girlfriend for years in college and a girlfriend all through high school and and um i loved them deeply but they weren't gonna it wasn't gonna make the whole, you know the long run uh i don't think my girlfriend in college and i were really had that much in common other than we were lovers at the beginning <laughs> and uh you know when you're 21 or 22 it's like that's important mm-hmm. and then uh uh, not that it's never not important, it's just that uh, it's not uh, It's not the foundation of a big... Uh, and I, w- I don't claim to be an expert or anything, although I hosted a dating show I remember years ago called, um, what the hell was that called, Rendezvous, the year everybody had a dating show. Aisha had a dating show, Chris Hardwick had a dating show, Say- his was called Shipmates.
0: Oh, yes!
1: Which Tony Kameen used to always introduce him as, please welcome the host of Boat Date Chris Hardwick, and then mine was Dating Roundup, like you'd always introduce us. Tony
0: Kameen, I know him. Remember Tony? Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, uh, he's lovely, and I've known him for 100 years. And
0: I know him because, didn't he do Marijuana Logs with Doug?
1: Absolutely, he, how, did. Yeah, and, I, I uh, he did. Yeah, I remember him And he wrote it with him. And uh, um, Tony, uh, but we, I did this dating show, and they had another woman on the show who was supposed to be the dating expert, because she'd written some book. And she wasn't in a, like, you know, she wasn't in a long term at that point i'd been married i don't know 15 years or whatever and she was the expert and i always felt like saying like um you don't know shit because right. you, you're still dating around
0: yes isn't I th- the
1: goal of relationships to have a long one
0: i think that uh dating experts and sex experts it's a real nebulous bullshitty kind of term is it ever my it's like
1: consultant you know what right. i mean like i kind of know something about what i'm talking yes. about if you'll pay me to say it, I will. Right. Uh, She wasn't a bad person. She just, I just felt like, well, you know, what do you know about relationships? You don't love anyone.
0: (laughs) Did she seem capable of loving anyone?
1: Sure. I think everyone's capable of loving something. In this town, (laughs) it's impossible to determine because people here love things like um, money or themselves or they want to hear their name a lot.
0: And that's the kind of weird
1: part that is like, really? That's why you're doing this? Because you like hearing your name?
0: Yeah. It... it (laughs) It's kind of it's, stunning. See, for me, it's always been important to be a good person and uh, be nice and not be a dick. And those are some things I've had to unlearn in a way. I, I mean, I, I still think they're very important, but I've had to learn a little bit how, how to not be such a people pleaser. It's like I, I always struggle with it. We but, uh, well, I'm, my mom's oldest and I'm my, and my dad has kids from his first marriage.
1: So you're sandwiched in there. So, were so you, I'm, s- were you the w- placator in the family? Were oh yeah. You, everything's going to be okay. Look, I'm dancing.
0: Oh yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Constantly. I mean, I just, I, I'm the one who knows the mood that everyone's in and is yeah. I'm always in the middle. Yeah. Um, and yeah,
1: it's hard later. Are you a Libra too?
0: No, I'm a Taurus. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, I should my have my made you guess Oh damn it. I know. My wife's Wait, what a are you? I'm a Libra. Okay. My mom's a Libra,
1: and as I said previously on another someone else's podcast, all Libra men are gay, and uh, it's a joke, of course. Uh, but it, it, the, the yeah. one characteristic that we do have is that we're uh, it, it, waffly. Yeah, some people would say it's you're weighing decisions judiciously. I just think well, I procrastinate till the end of time and then pull the trigger when it's too late.
0: I that I am very much that way, um, actually. Now, yeah. what do you think causes that aside from your star sign?
1: Uh, the, the, your, your, your upbringing. I think when you're the one who has to make everything okay emotionally for everybody, you're you're always worried about any decision yes. you make because yes. you don't want dad to go into a screaming fit and you don't want mom to fucking throw a phone and you don't want this to be the worst Christmas ever or whatever the fuck it is that's going on.
0: A thousand yeses. Yeah. That's so my I, new way of agreeing. Yeah. A
1: thousand <laughs> yeses. A thousand yeses. I feel like that's what it is. and And that's something I'm trying to unlearn still. As far as being a dick, I think I was more of a dick in my 30s. But I think that men in general, the 30s are a real tough time for them mm-hmm. because you're too old to be a baby anymore and you know, lounge around, even though in L.A. people still wear baseball hats and tennis shoes till they're 39 years old. Uh, but more than that, I, I was kind of arrogant, and I called people on shit. And the reason why I love my wife, uh, for one of the many reasons, is uh, she's honest. But honesty is not the greatest quality you can possess in show business. In fact, it's kind of detrimental. And people would say like, oh, I tried to get you for the show. And I'd go, no, you fucking didn't. And that just doesn't help at all. No Mm -hmm. one ever wants to be called on anything in show business. Show business is a very fluid organization. And we all (laughs) just say a thousand yeses to each other in order to have the lubricity to carry on to the next day. Uh, So I've calmed down on that regard over the last few years. Mm -hmm. It's something I've tried to learn that – uh, never raise your voice to anyone and don 't correct people, and even when you 're right it 's not important that you 're right. those are things i 'm trying to learn all the time because I know i 'm right, but
0: what you don't you don 't think there 's ever cause for any of that
1: there is that when you 're fighting for your corner and when it 's your project and it 's for you and you have to get it done, yes, then you have to be but uh, i 've worked with people who are screamy and and horrible and it 's a drag mm-hmm. and i I'm, i, I 'm mean, the other reason my wife and I have a lot in common is we're very anti-authoritarian. I don't like stop signs. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I don't like anybody to tell me what the fucking do ever. So when that starts, I have my back goes up and I and I have to calm down. I have to calm down. Now, I've done a couple TV shows where there's been a few people who are like we're doing this, we're doing that, do this, do that, don't do this, and I, you know. Look, the reason you hired me is because I do what I do. So move off my dick this instant. But rather than fight them or yell at them, I will just go into placating, you know, self abnegation mode and just be like, is everybody happy? You know, and then of course I go home and fume and can't sleep.
0: That's uh, (laughs) 2,000 yeses. I relate to that so much. That's so funny that dichotomy between no one can fucking tell me what to do but then just completely people pleasing and mm-hmm. not st- and i think trying to find the balance yeah. is fucking impossible that's not where i was going to go with that but it's what i was going to say is that's the goal and it's really it's really hard to um Like, stay in control of – to protect yourself, do what you need to do for you, but also navigate that whole situation and negotiate all of it. Because, yeah, I'm the same way. In fact, I had this realization the other day, which is I don't think I'm cut out to work for anyone or work under anyone Mm. because I just can't stand Mm -mm. having people tell me what to do. I'm Uh, exactly
1: the same way. Yeah. The reason I'm a comedian is I'm free agent, you know? Yeah. Free agent.
0: There are certain people who just – aren't meant to be employees i think
1: i don't mind working in a team and i love working with people i love conversing i'll even play in a big group and do everything i need to be a supporting player i don't need to be the star every second of anything i do because i get plenty of that but it's like you say it's the balance and where my psychological defect is is because of uh, growing up and being a being that person I'm not ever sure what's appropriate. Yes. And that's where I get the confusion. Like my, my wife will say, tell this person this and this and this. And I'll go, isn't that a bit harsh or isn't that really strident or isn't that overly awful? Yeah. And she'll go, no, you're being clear. And I'll be like, but if I'm nicer about it, then everyone will do what I want. Sometimes she's like, no, slap them around, you know, and I'll go. But, you know, my father was loud, loud mm-hmm. and screamy and I don't dig it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have. Dig the
1: volume, I baby. have the
0: exact same thing. Yeah. So I grew up always identifying with the person, the waiter, or the what, whoever, mm-hmm. any sort of service person on the receiving end of that. Yeah. And I go out. I'm so, uh, so compelled to never be that way, to my detriment.
1: Right, you don't fight enough for yourself, and right. he, especially in this town where people act like psychopaths. I mean, yeah. psychopaths. Uh, my wife will say to me, "Do you think so and so would act that way if they had what, the incident that you just went through?" And so and so
0: being like someone whose would, shit would together. start
1: screaming oh, and fucking right. go, "This is what I want. Go do it for me right now." God damn it! I'm hanging up on you. Yeah, which I would never do, even in the worst situations when I should sometimes perhaps be that person. It's you have to be willing to if you're going to deal those hands. You have to be willing to fucking take your own psychological ramifications of being that way and then be proud of it. Yeah. Which people are here and I'm not. I can't. I know I seem aggressive sometimes and I know that I f- act like I fucking know everything. But
0: <laughs> I actually don't. It's actually interesting for me to hear that you feel like you were kind of a dick uh in your 30s cuz you don't strike me. Well, I guess I haven't seen you in that many situations. You don't come across as aggressive to me.
1: No. Well, but- you interviewed me on on Versus was you nice were super nice. Yeah. We talked about Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah,
0: Do you, it was uh, It was Jane. It was Warren versus Berlin. Maybe it yeah. Was Jane, yeah. Wow. Good memory. Thank you. That was a, a deep pull.
1: Yeah, it was exactly Warren versus Berlin. And dig this. The keyboard player from Berlin had moved over to Warren or vice versa. I can't remember now. And so they were at odds with each other. They were actually giving each other shit in the studio, <laughs> which was hilarious. And it was Terry Nunn from right. Berlin. And, and Jane uh, what's his name? Uh, Janie Lane. J- yeah, yeah, from Warren. And he came around and he went, my wife and I love watching you on Who's Line, man. And so I've always had a soft spark for him. Yeah. Uh, also, Cherry Pie is, uh, as you know, one of the – great right. achievements seminal. in music yeah
0: seminal uh so what, what i was saying before <laughs> though about oh like trying to be a nice person and stuff is then looking around and realizing there's so many people who don't that they're not concerned with that at all Ooh. and and yet they have found someone to love them and because this goes back to you saying right. everyone can love something uh yeah, love really is not does not discriminate. Everyone can find it, even no, ugly
1: people. It's true, even with assholes. And uh, what kills me is even more like they'll be openly kind of dickish to everybody or arrogant or whatever. And they carry on being more and more successful where I feel yeah. like I might have been a little more forceful when I needed to. And that might have helped my mm-hmm. so-called career. But then by the same token – I'm happy kind of doing what I'm doing now. So there's that trying to, you know, that's the other thing is like, you know, you sit around going, am I happy? You know, (laughs) I'm happy. And then, "Mm, but I didn't, you know. Uh, Yeah. And then you want to be Zen about it and go, everything is everything. I'm alive.
0: I, yeah. the, am I happy question is one that, um, that's a tough one. Isn't it? Yeah. Because I find that generally my answer is not a, um, a, uh, unmitigated. I sure am. It's hardly ever that. I
1: never believed that. And those are the people I distrusted the most in college and stuff.
0: The fake happy Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> you go, how are you? And they go, great. And like yeah. they never, never didn't say great. Yeah. And you think, well, aren't you ever fucked up over something? Aren't you ever emotionally distraught over something? Right. Really? Life's smooth sailing? You know? Yeah. Fuck or you.
0: are you just not saddling this conversation with it or something right like, there must be someone who hears you being petty and small i
1: always thought it was uh, just you know just lording it over people that you were happier than them which i always thought oh barf
0: <laughs> well, i'm beginning to wonder
1: <laughs>
0: the lack of feeling super happy all the time is that just being alive yeah. or is that having a like mild case of depression
1: probably i i do run toward a mild depression all the time but I think it's also just part of the human condition I can be happy and then people say oh when are you happy I'm like when I'm with my wife and we're somewhere that's when I'm happy
0: what kind of where
1: like a foreign country Mm -hmm. or some glamorous or exotic setting or even not that just alone together doing a thing you know Uh, but I'm also happy on stage I love performing more than anything. I, I a very a comic who's a well-known comic and he's had a lot of success in producing and writing and stuff like that. I remember we did we were doing a gig a few years ago, and he, he's not a great performer, but that's not his what he does mostly now. Uh, and he came up to me after a show and he went, "You're so comfortable on stage," and I was like, "We're performers. Why wouldn't you be comfortable mm-hmm. on stage? I'm uncomfortable off stage. Yeah, I don't know how to talk to lawyers and agents and shit like that. I don't know how to talk to fucking network heads." And they make me nervous. I, I feel like I'm going to say the wrong thing or I'm going to say something that they're going to take exception to or I'm going to be too honest or I'm going to whatever it is I'm going to do. But on stage, I'm in control, baby. My way, the highway.
0: Is it, could it also be, because here's what it is for me. I don't know what's expected of me in all those, like situations where I don't know what's expected of me make me uncomfortable yeah. or nervous. Yeah. Like I have a thing about general meetings. Yeah. I don't, I, do, I never know what, is it like, like – wh- I would just want to yell, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> Versus – whereas on stage, you do know. You, well, know. you know what you're doing. Right.
1: Because you can handle it. Yeah. You're a, a host. You know how to entertain. You know how to conduct a thing. You know how to roll out an hour and a half. And you can do it. Right. So you're not freaking out over it. Whereas if we have a big meeting here and Okay. Let's talk about some ideas, Allison, uh-uh. Yeah, because <laughs> I've gone to meetings where I was the center of the meeting and didn't know what I was going to say at all.
0: And where do you sit when you're the center of the oh, meeting? Oh, fuck Had-
1: knows. I hate meetings more than in life itself. Yeah. If we could just always just pitch up and do what we're going to do instead of having to chat about it, I would be happy. <laughs> they again.
0: always take you into this like big conference boardroom and then there's a big table with a mm-hmm. whole bunch of chairs Soft and then drinks. it feel yeah and and beverages but it feels like a test to see where you're gonna sit i'm overthinking that i'm sure right sometimes then, i'll pop from i'll go to a few different seats because they leave you alone for a minute before the bringing in the all the rest of the people and
1: what if you sit in where you weren't supposed to sit then I know. everybody thinks oh you sat at the end of the table so you think this is about you and that meetings to me like Show business has a lot of people in it who don't really do anything or know anything about anything, but they're yeah. great at going to meetings and they're great at being in them and pretending to be involved. <clears throat> they're never gonna have your back and they're never gonna support you when it comes down to it, but they're great in those situations. And they justify their jobs by keeping them and stuff. Yeah. And, I mean I'm not saying everyone at show business. I'm painting this horrible bleak picture, but in general, you
0: know. No, that's it's probably yeah, in but every that's business a common it's assessment. in every business. Yes. But that's a common assessment of those people in Hollywood.
1: I mean, like, I was on a little sitcom, and it was really fun, and it wasn't that bad. But I've been on other, sit- other people's sitcoms and stuff. And the executives tend to stand behind the cameras or behind the video village and be on their devices and look up at you. And then they'll all say something to one another, and they'll all nod and look over at you. And you're like, what the fuck are you saying about me? Mm-hmm. And why do you feel empowered that you get to do that and I'm just a, a, basically like a 4-H calf that, you know, um, oh, thighs are too big you know like <laughs> <laughs> that's the part of show business that I always like
0: sometimes they'll write something on their phone and then show the phone to someone else uh-huh, and they're and the like are, person... you, are you using the notes app that's what I always wonder yeah, or are yeah. you texting
1: right and then the other person nods and then they all look at you and you're like what are you
0: doing over there Don't you mind me? You what know. sitcom was it
1: oh any old sitcom I, you know I, I haven't been on one in ages but you well, know I was on, on on Nickelodeon but they were really nice it was Nickelodeon I and mean, what mm-hmm. are they going to do you know uh, they were pretty nice about everything uh I mean the network ones in the, you know, in the, in the old days. Uh, so I just find that. And like I say, big show business meetings are – does anything really ever happen at them? Do any decisions get me. made? No, not for me either. You know, <laughs> but maybe that's just my shit career.
2: So. No,
0: I think it's, it's my shit career too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would like to talk about your yes, new special. But first, you know what makes things get done in this town? Having great frames.
1: You, you you got that right,
0: and you have great frames. Thank you very much. And you know where other people can go get their great frames. I'm going to
1: guess. You Parker. are.
0: That's right. I was waiting for you to guess, and you got it absolutely right. (laughs) Warby Parker, are you familiar with Warby Parker? They're really cool. They make great affordable frames, and you can get sunglasses or eyeglasses. Um, And it's all online, so you go online, and you can choose the frames you want. And then they have this cool thing called a home try-on. So you choose, I think, up to five pairs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you can even, if you're super into looking at yourself, like people we talked about, or me. You can upload a photo of yourself and try the different frames on your photo. It's just like dress-a-bear stickers for (laughs) anyone who remembers that from a long time ago. But yeah, it's super fun and it's helpful. And then they send you the glasses. In a really cool case, they don't advertise how cool the case is, but I just want to say it's pretty cool.
3: It's really cool. It's really neat. I want to play with it. Yeah, I was compelled to tweet pictures of it. It's
0: very, like, it's classy. Yeah. And so then you try on the glasses on your actual face, Mm -hmm. not just your photo, and then you send it back, and then you order the frames, and you will be surprised at how affordable they are because I had it in my head that frames are always really expensive. Not so with Warby Parker. Um, and I, I think I mentioned this before, but I actually knew of Warby Parker before they even came on as a sponsor on my show because my friend Trevor, who's extremely hip and super into um, like the latest cool stuff, told me all about them and told me that a, a, a portion of the proceeds go to charity uh, for each – each time you buy glasses there and and he is all about that and he was very into that. So I knew about them so I was very excited and then Gary and I both got Warby Parker glasses so Ah. we are all about this. And you guys should be all about this. And you might be wondering if you can try Warby Parker's glasses for free. The answer is yes, with their free home try-on, which we just told you about. So at WarbyParker.com, you choose five pairs of glasses, and then Warby sends them to you, and you can try them on, and then you can figure out exactly what you want. Um, Yeah, and see, for every pair of glasses you purchase, Warby Parker sends a pair to someone in need. Hope they make sure it's someone in need. Of course, they're so cool that I would put them on even if they had a prescription that wasn't mine. And then I would blame not saying hi to people on the fact that I'm wearing glasses that don't help me see. But that's just me. I feel like other people probably don't want to do that. So give Warby Parker a try for a stylish new pair of prescription glasses or sunglasses at warbyparker.com. And when you decide to purchase, you get three-day free shipping by using the promo code BESTFRIEND. That's warbyparker.com, promo code BESTFRIEND. Okay. Hooray. Greg Proop. So your new special, tell us about this.
1: Okay. I shot it at Musso and Frank's uh, here in Hollywood. It's the oldest restaurant in Hollywood. It started in 1919. And uh, it's famous because of all the famous people that went there, you know, Bogart and Bacall and Joe and Marilyn. Chaplin uh, ate there. He sat in the window and uh, all the writers went there, Faulkner and Hemingway and uh, John Fonny, Charles Bukowski, the poet. Chandler wrote The Big Sleep there, apparently. And... uh, and stars still go there, you know, Johnny Depp and Keith Richards and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The, so I had the waiters introduce me and I shot it in the back room there. It's a real old school steakhouse place. Like they don't have, a, a, you know, goji berries. They have stuffed celery. <laughs> what and about acai? W- rubber. Yeah, no, nothing. You know, they're the, like they still have cutlets right. of stuff and consume. Uh, so it, they have a menu from like the 20s. Uh, and it's really do they have good. Tomato
0: fun. juice. I feel like that yes. goes with consomme. It, tomato juice there. is
1: like an appetizer, which is fantastic. I right? I love that. With then and served in the little wavy glass with a dish under it. Right? Like the dish that, is supporting yes, the glass in case right. something horrible happens. <laughs> no,
0: what kind oh. of emergency could happen tomato with your tomato juice, juice <laughs> accident? <laughs> you could be salting and peppering it, which people do. Oh, yeah. With tomato juice in the old days, and then some could get onto your sauce. Oh, I that's guess.
1: true. Uh, so the the uh, Sergio and um, Ruben and all the, they old those hum- are
0: those are even old school names. Uh, Oh, yeah,
1: and they make the most uh, sublime martinis there, and they put the martini in your, you know, in the martini glass, and then the extra part of the martini lives in a little thing of ice that comes to your table, so you can pour yourself extras out of it, which is superb. So I shot the thing, and uh, then here comes the exciting new show business part of this. Oh, good. I was going to sell it over the internet on chill.com uh, for $5 and it, it was going to drop on Tuesday and chill.com went out of business on Friday, Allison. And now here we are sitting here. Uh, so there is, is a video. He
0: why is he here? What are, why are we doing this? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> yes. Through no doing of mine.
0: Of course not. Uh, they, wow, course that, not. wow. That's a terrible break. I'm sorry. That well, sucks. Yeah. I'm they, sorry. I made a joke instead of reacting. In the appropriate No, no, way. you, you, that you, does you blow. had
1: exactly the right reaction. So it'll come out, but I'm not sure uh, where or when. Okay. Um, uh, we're looking for other platforms and other things like that. I like to sell it over the internet, but that might be a little further into the future. However, the, it's not a topical uh, a stand-up show. It's a sort of evergreen. I tell a very long drug story about working for a meth dealer in San Mateo when I was a teenager. And uh, the other part's all about old-time show business and restaurants and writing and authors and Bukowski and this and that. So – I think you were still,
0: selling meth for the meth dealer or just – He was a meth someone? dealer and
1: I worked at his – he was a pizza. He had a place uh, called the uh, Chicken Delight Pizza Man. If anyone remembers Chicken Delight uh, and they had a giant plastic chicken on the roof <laughs> that was holding a platter full of chicken as if it had given birth to its own chickens and then right, killed them for your, yeah, yeah. For your own t- deliciousness. So uh, I got the news on Friday. Uh, How did you get the news? Uh, my manager phoned me, but of course it was all over the internet as well, that chill has ceased to exist as an entity. So it won't be coming out on chill.com. However, uh, if you pre ordered it, I'm sure you'll get your money back or I'll come to your house and act it out for you. <laughs> and then uh, and it, when we get this sorted out in a few weeks' time, it'll either end up on another – Delivery platform. system or on TV or somewhere and uh, it'll still be there. It's still fresh and I still want, you to know, want to see it. Uh, uh, but that happened. So that was a weird, uh, you know, it's been a weird weekend for me.
0: Yeah, I bet. How did, did you have any inkling about how they were doing that they no, were going to go out of business or anything uh,
1: like that? I know. I met with them last week and we talked about all the promo we we're going to do and the big Reddit thing. And I had lots and lots of stuff. And I lined this up with you and like right. all my, all my podcasting friends, because uh, we're all mates around here. And, uh, so I've been plugging it to death. Uh, and now it sort of ended up being a, a hilarious show business, uh, joke on me that, uh, <laughs> it's not actually going to drop on Tuesday. You can, however, watch the one minute trailer, which is exquisite. Uh, it's about an hour long. We did it in one take. Uh, and I kind of made some of it up on the day and everything. And mm-hmm. it looks beautiful. Marcus shot shouted, who did a Cat Williams special and Paul Tompkins. And it's really beautiful. And Neil Marshall produced it, and he made all the Carlin specials. And so we had a high-class team. Uh, and it's in a beautiful restaurant. And we didn't even do any set dressing. I mean, the restaurant's so punchy and so old-school looking. You know, the big mirrors and the booths and the waiters have the gold jackets on. Should and, I get
0: married there? Looking for a location. Would it work um, for a special wedding? I wouldn't get married there, but I would, <laughs> I would have a
1: belt. I would have a, a I would have a drink there and or a steak or something because okay. steaks really the way to go there. But uh, it'll come out and when it does, uh, I, I'll be the first to let you know that uh, when we get another thing in place to put it out.
0: Well, this is good. This will just get people excited about it. And I do want to play a clip. But first I want to ask, um, how did you – so how did, how did you get hooked up with Chill.com to begin with?
1: Uh, they, they came to me. I'd, I'd heard about what, uh, Maria Bamford did a Mm -hmm. video for them, what she did in her own house, which is beautiful. Uh, and then I get married there at Maria's house. Yes. In front of her parents, I hope. Okay. Uh, and then Ari Shafir did his. And so I knew that a couple comics had done it. Uh, and you know, this is Hollywood. So this is a new business. The putting a video out streaming online for five dollars right it's only what two years old that this even existed like yeah. Louie when did louis do his you know
0: you're right it's super new and
1: so uh this happened right in the middle of it um so the, you know my agent took me over there and we had a meeting and you know it all got made uh it exists yeah uh, it's not like it doesn't exist uh, it's just that it won't be coming out on shell.com so I it'll go somewhere
0: you won't i don't I know nothing of this. However, my hunch is you won't have any trouble finding a place to put it out and everything will be up and running and smooth. And then you'll look back and you'll be like, that was actually somehow a blessing in disguise. Well,
1: as they say, the road isn't the road. The obstacles are the road. So uh, uh, this was a small, uh, you know, it was nothing I could do about it. So I have to roll with this one.
0: Did you know? Okay. Okay. Now I'm just making people wait for the clip. Um, Earlier you mentioned two roads diverged in a wood, Mm -hmm. in the woods. And I don't know where I encountered it. I don't know if it was online or if I heard this somewhere. But someone was saying that everyone has misunderstood what that poem has always meant. Oh, really? Because I thought that it meant it made a difference, that he took the one less travel. But the person was saying that actually if you read the poem, you'll see that he's saying that it actually made no difference at all.
1: Huh. Yeah. My my inkling was that it was – because the last line is, I took the road less traveled by and that made all the difference. So yeah. I thought, well, doesn't that indicate that
0: – I think so. He but I, looked
1: at the two roads and he went, I want to take the one that not everybody right. takes.
0: Ways rerouted him that way. Well,
1: I guess you could look at it either way because poetry is open-ended. Mm. Robert Frost isn't around to ask, but
0: – No. I wish I could remember what I was reading that explained it because mm. I guess it's like – and I'm forgetting the rest of the poem.
1: Well, maybe it doesn't make any difference. Uh, I, I'd like to think you can make a difference with the choices you make. But then again, I, I lay in bed at night thinking, I should have taken that game show in 2002 when they offered it to me instead of turning my nose up and being a dick. But then I think, but really, would that have mattered if I'd done one more game show? You know what I mean? These are the kind of dopey
0: Is that what conversations. you're playing at night?
1: Well, once in a while. Not not every night. I was just giving a, a shallow for instance. Yeah.
0: No, but because i had any time i have turned my nose up at anything at some point i've thought oh shit what if that right. yeah what like if what it bites if you in the ass yeah like what if i think my shit doesn't stink but really it does and so i should be i should be more desperate or right, something right i should
1: be weepily grateful well yes. uh, yeah no you should never be more desperate and you probably know best what you should take and what you oughtn't to take uh,
0: it's hard everything is like you're saying it's such a fluid industry that it's really hard to to decide I've where found you that are this <laughs> yeah i bet it's hard to decide where you are in your career because you might be like no i'm i don't i'm here now and then you're like but it's an arbit. i just made the decision to decide i'm here now maybe i'm not here at right. all really i don't know
1: someone the other night i met outside of a gig i was at the ucb doing a doug venson 's show and uh uh I pitched up at a table with a guy that I'd met before, and and there was two people sitting at the table, and he introduced me to them, and this one woman said to me, I swear to God, and she was older, she went, are you famous? (laughs) And I was like, well, you know, one, if you live in LA and you're still asking people that question, you're kind of a dickwad, all Mm -hmm. Right. I would never ask anyone that, even if I didn't know who they were and they were presented to me as a famous person. I would go, it's nice to meet you because mm-hmm. that's the easiest thing to do. And I went, I've been around a while. You know, that was my answer. But I thought I, I wanted to go like, well, to some people, probably, but to you, not. So right. why do I have to define myself according to your crappy fucking parameters or whatever? And we would be, I almost wanted to say, who's famous to you? Yeah. Because <laughs> then if she said, you know, Robert Frost, then, you know, we're, that's one thing. But if she went like, well, I love, you know, I love that morning show with, uh, with Regis and Kelly. Boy, that's a good, you know. Or I like that Johnny Carson. He's pretty good. Then, you know, <laughs> so you she's know not what Like, demo. are you famous? Like, oh, right. God. But I thought, why do people say that? Yeah. And why do people say, you know, uh, if you gained weight, you know, like the, the things people will say. People say like, that? Oh, um, not always. But um, I've had people say that to me. Yeah. It's horrible. Uh I just always think I never ask anyone how old they are ever ever ever. It's so irrelevant. Mhm. <laughs> but you get it all the time. Yeah. Or uh oh what is your uh, what is your what is your fiancee? De?
0: Yeah, you do get that one.
1: Like w- wait, I have to answer to you for what he does, you know? How it's about not- this? He lives off of my dick, which you should start to do. <laughs> 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 you know? It's a little personal sometimes.
0: I get the sense you feel like your dick is crowded sometimes.
1: My dick is an apartment block, but there's only this many units. You know what I mean? I don't have time for everyone to rent. So I I urge people to rent a unit (laughs) off my ass almost instantaneously.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's hear the clip from the special that will be coming out.
1: (laughs) The staff has worked here since the earth was a swirling ball of gas. What happened was... The earth cooled, and then out of a pool crawled Sergio and Ruben and everyone who works here. I'm from San Francisco, and when you're from San Francisco, you know two things. One, everything. And two, this is the place where the mafia had its prom, ladies and gentlemen. Mickey Cohen, the mobster, used to drink here, and Sergio used to put hot towels on his knees. I have no idea what that's like. Bukowski was a poet, uh... No one knows what poetry is here in Hollywood because it's not printed on money. I took advanced English and we were supposed to read Moby Dick and I thought, oh, fuck it, my life's not that long. All of Moby Dick? How about just the dick part? Let's cut to the chase. What a sensitive crowd. And we had a uh, jazz band. We don't get any retakes, by the way. I love that.
0: Thank you. You were starting to say something.
1: We had a jazz band uh, on the day, so it was good fun. We had a little trio. And you can see them behind me Mm -hmm. if you watch the club. What's their name? Uh well it was a little ad hoc jazz trio. Okay. So it was sort of the Musso and Frank trio for the day.
3: I <laughs> like
0: I like them though. It's very fizzy. Yeah. It's despite fizzy.
1: uh
3: despite chill.com's Demise, the video is still on chill.com slash Greg Proop. So if you want to check it out, you can see the jazz uh, band in the background. It looks really good. Awesome. Thank yes, you, man. It looks really good.
1: Doesn't it? It yeah, looks I'm it, so happy with how it
3: it's looks It's very cool because you're not he's not on like a traditional stage. He's kind of standing at a high
1: table and having a martini. It's it's very cool. It looks really good. Thanks, man. Yeah. I didn't want to do one in a comedy club or a theater mm-hmm. and then it was my manager's idea to do musos. And it works for me because I'm that kind of guy and it's a bookie kind of place and it's an old Hollywood kind of place and it gave me a little more of a platform. It's when you see the specials and, like, the guy standing there or the girl standing there, and then behind them is, like, all these remnants of their childhood or whatever, you know, unbelievable weird shit that the company wants you to put on stage with you, right. and you. And then there's the cutaway, the audience, with a couple looks at each other and nod and all that. And <laughs> we kind of tried to not do that, which was the fun
0: part. Yeah. So. so, yeah, let's tell people where to go in the interim because this will be airing um, – monday when people are hearing it yes. so uh where should they so th- where should they go to like be be, be kept abreast of this well info? they
1: can go to greg or my tumblr page pripcast.com or my twitter i uh, will be addressing it quite soon when i have more details about what's going on uh i think if you bought it like i say you'll probably get your money back or, or i will uh come to your neighborhood and probably <laughs> reenact it with stick figures
0: uh, um all right let's talk about the fact that and the podcast
1: is still free that comes out every week
0: yes and now you made a joke about Moby Dick being too long. I find that I don't read long books anymore. Really? Not that often. Mm. I just, down, I just I, downgraded I, I've it. I've stopped Do you? in
1: the middle of a bunch uh, lately, and I've really got to pick them up again. I don't know about long, long, like 800 pages. T- I think that's too much effort. Did you
0: read Infinite Jest? No. Yeah.
1: I read parts of it. My friend Jeff was reading it, and he handed it to me, and I read. I skimmed around, and I read the – I mean, I think David Foster Wallace is a magnificent writer. I just really wasn't – I'm not ready to tackle it.
0: Yeah. I think I got to about page 400, which just that – Oh, my God. You were I halfway know. through
1: almost. Or it's yeah. 1,000 pages, isn't it's, it?
0: yeah. yeah. But still, I was very proud of myself that I even got that far. Which, oh, yeah. Side note, is that really something to be proud of yourself about? I mean, I am proud of myself when I can do it, it but
1: – It's a long haul. Plus, that book is all in the – it's the all in footnotes. the addendum. Yeah, the footnotes yeah. of the whole – it's, it's a premise that several authors use in different books. Uh, there's a famous um, sort of surrealist author named Flan O'Brien. Uh, I don't know if he's surrealist, but he's an Irish author, very funny. And he uses that device constantly mm. where you have to go to the footnotes for everything. And, and the book is in the footnotes. Uh, right. There's a book by Nabokov called Pale Fire. Pale Fire. Yeah. I loved that book. Right. Well, that one –
0: Yeah. The whole thing takes place the in, thing it, in, is the is in the footnotes. The whole thing is in the footnotes. Although – and now I realize a hand. This is, this is going to be appealing to a handful of people. Hello, handful question about pale fire. Mm. The so the whole book now, is told I didn't
1: finish pale fire. There uh, you are.
0: But you must have read the be- the of beginning course. of it. So it starts with a poem and yeah. then the whole and then the the book is um, this guy's uh, like annotation of the mm. poem. Is the poem supposed to be shitty or not? Cuz I thought it was I kind of liked the No, poem. no, I
1: think the poem's supposed to be magnificent. Okay. I think the poem's supposed to be a work of art that this petty, you know, that you get his Gradual breakdown right. in his analysis right. of the poem. It's all about his breakdown and not okay. the poem at all.
0: Because I thought maybe I, the, the poem was, I was supposed the wings, to be
1: what is it beating against the glass of something. It's a beautiful yeah, opening. like
0: yes. Um, and I something was the about black how and many and
1: wings and I can't remember
0: how many times the pillows were creased and oh, yeah. and the. The, the daughter dies in the poem, well, I
1: think. Nabokov is so fucking clever and such a genius that he can write a poem and then write a book about a guy doing a dissertation about the poem, yeah. and that's the comedy. Whereas you or I would be like, I can't get through the fucking poem. You know? Like, <laughs> I know. He's... But here's something I learned about Nabokov, which has nothing to do with literature at all, but something that I thought was quite interesting. His wife was a devoted uh, you know, part of his life. And evidently, he didn't do anything for himself. He was left to be a genius. So she turned lights on in rooms for him.
0: Wow. Oh yeah,
1: that was the detail that I remember. My wife read me, and I was like, "Are you joking?" I was like, "Oh no, no." He had to be brought his food. He had to have lights turned on for him.
0: That is the way a genius should be treated. Because
1: Nabokov just, you know, really. yeah, and you're like.
0: And then in the Robert
1: Evans book, if you've ever read The Kid Stays in the Picture, he gets a property by Nabokov. And he goes, I read it. I couldn't make any fucking sense (laughs) out of it. So I read it again and it still didn't make any sense. And Nabokov comes over like he has to deal with Nabokov. And he's like, he goes, let somebody else lose money with this thing. Maybe it's a fucking work of art, but I don't fucking get it. And it's the fucking greatest like showbiz, you know, New York viewpoint of like a genius giving you this tome. (laughs) We're talking about long novels. My favorite premise is the novel that's never finished. And there's two hilarious, uh, of course, Sideways with Paul Giamatti. Mm -hmm. Where he's written this oh, enormous right. opus. And of course it gets hilariously turned down by the publisher and he gives it to Virginia Madsen, who he wants to get over on, and she fucking sits down and reads it. And it's they show the physical book hmm. and it, and then The Wonder Boys with Michael Douglas, where he's too high to complete the book, so he keeps writing it. <laughs> and it's twenty two hundred pages. And when they get in the accident, the book flies out of the car. I and it's seen like the Wonder gr- Boys. Oh, I didn't like want well, No spoiler alert, but it's hilarious. Michael Chabon, how do you say his name?
0: Yeah, I, that sounds about right. Yeah.
1: Siobhan. Michael Chabon? I don't uh, know. That's the premise. The premise of the book is he's an English professor, and he's, you know, middle-aged, and he wrote a great first novel, and now he's teaching, and Katie Holmes is his student in the movie. Yes, Katie Holmes. And Robert Downey Jr. is his lit agent. And they keep saying, where's the next book? Where's the next book? Right? It's been 18 years since, you know what I mean? Like he, and all he does is get high all day. And the book... Is twenty two hundred pages, <laughs> and she reads it, and she goes, uh, "Professor, if you don't mind me saying, maybe if you didn't get high all the time, you'd have the focus to kind of edit this down." <laughs> and then Robert Downey comes, and he's like, "What the fuck, you know?" It's just, but I love the idea that you can't stop writing, yeah, as opposed to I can't write. It's not right. writer's block. It's, it's, I can't stop. Yeah. But I don't know where the ending is. Like in the, Sideways, that made me laugh so hard. And I thought the part about your father was real intense. He's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, no book should be 2200 pages long. No,
0: no. At a certain point, <laughs> it's, it's just, just it's, I think, a refusal to edit yourself.
1: Yes. If you're Proust, put it in a box set. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> yeah. otherwise, bring it home, baby. In about 250. What are you, fucking, you know, Dumas? I mean. Right. I, I I was arguing with my friend Jeff, and I, I said I was he was reading The Count of Monte Cristo, and I'd read The Count of Monte Cristo, which is totally worth reading. It's completely exciting, and he breaks out of a jail, and he did, is it.
0: I don't remember it being super long. Is well, it?
1: But the unabridged version is like oh, eight hundred fifty pages. Ab- but I read some abridged version, yeah. and he went, "You read the abridged version," and I was like, "You suck balls because you pointed that out." <laughs> yeah. Like the abridged version's four hundred five hundred pages. He's in jail for eight years in a castle that he can't get out of, and in that time, the guy next door teaches him Latin, mathematics, philosophy, history, how to fence. Like it's exciting, you know. And then Mm -hmm. when he breaks out of jail and goes to wreak his havoc on the world, he, you know, it's just a fucking glorious adventure story. He finds an enormous treasure and becomes the most famous man in Europe, and like you're like, this is fucking awesome, you know.
0: I think the (laughs) abridged unabridged thing also uh, with Les Miserables. Right. Mr. Hugo. Like, I hear 900 right bloody pages. Yeah. I think that's the abridged. Right. Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. But I just wonder, has anyone ever read an abridged version and then felt like there was something missing? Right.
1: And then gone, you know what? There's four. Well, Stephen King. Uh, didn't he redo The Stand? I don't do scary. The, the original version that he wrote is quite a substantial for a scary novel. It's yeah. probably three, four hundred pages. It, it, it's, he, I think he put out an unabridged version a few years after that. Like,
0: Well, that's the thing. If you're the writer of it, I can imagine you would definitely feel like, no, those are a crucial 300 pages.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, did you ever see the Apocalypse Now redux that they put out a few years ago? No. And they put in all the scenes that were taken out. And I watched it through. And I happen to like that movie, but I'm from that era. Uh, it, it didn't add a damn thing to it. The editing on the movie was brilliant. Yeah. bringing it home and, and it's long anyway. It's about two and a half hours anyway. It's perfectly fine the way it is. You didn't need the other hundred scenes. They don't – they just make it more abs- kind of fuzzy. You know yeah. what I mean? And I always feel like with my work, I always let other people edit my stuff because I don't think I'm the best editor. I think they'll go, this part's not funny. Take it out.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, def- I, I definitely am not the best editor of my own no. stuff. I mean I'll
1: blather forever and ever. But it's up to someone else to go, let's cut this down to a manageable length. Uh, no, I haven't read Moby Dick. Uh, but again, I know people who have read it. I, Of course, I cheated and picked it up in a bookstore and went to the last chapter where he finally appears. Because you've had 900 pages of waiting for this right. whale. And then the whale comes and How wreaks bloody mess. havoc. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, do you tend to read the end of books? No, I, do. I did I'm on one that one
1: because I wanted to get to the end of that one. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I don't. I don't go to the end first. Do you do?
0: Yeah, I often do. And then I think it'll be like a puzzle. And I will – I'll because oftentimes when you read the last page first, you're like, I don't even know who these people are. Right, and of course. Why is she – They
1: might have been introduced 300 pages into it. Yeah, so.
0: and so then I like to sort of watch the two pieces come together. So it works for you? Yes, but it yes, it does. But I, um, but I don't think I should. I, pro- I I feel like a better person wouldn't do that. A better person would pace themselves and would be patient. Do you um, like
1: nonfiction better or no, fiction? No,
0: I don't read fiction that much anymore. But I think that I actually like fiction better. Mm-hmm. It's just I I used to read all the time. I majored in English, and I just don't that much anymore. And then when I do, I think what a pleasure this is. I really should do mm. this more often. And then I find myself. Like it's it's bad enough at this point that I will click on a link to a magazine article that I think, oh yeah, I really want to read that and then I'll oftentimes it's a recap of something. yeah um, and then I get a few lines in and I'm like, "Oh, that's too many words. Right, right. I don't know what happened to me. Well,
1: it's attention span, also like what's what you have to get done in your life. If you've got shit to do you can't. Yeah. I mean, I fly a lot, so I have the opportunity to read, which I think is a luxury, you know, people say, Oh, I hate flying or whatever, and it's like When you have a five-hour flight, you can – I mean you you can't bring something too deep, let's be honest. Your focus is a little fuzzy up in the air. I I find some – I've gone through periods where I felt so insecure about the world that I couldn't read fiction for like a year or two and Mm -hmm. I would only read history books. And then I go back to fiction and stuff. I've got an author for you. Cesar, A-I-R-A.
0: <inaudible> I don't know how you
1: pronounce that. It's not Aria. It's maybe it's Eria a- or something. Mm-hmm. But his novels are this big. Okay. And they're hysterically funny. And the one I just read was The Literary Conference, and I'm reading Ghosts now. But those are good. Also, uh, Kipling's The Man Who Would Be King is about 100 pages long. All right. you want to read a little novella,
0: <laughs> I'm going to look on Audible to see if they have Yeah, them.
1: they will. They will. I-, I recommended some books on Audible a week ago. But I'm reading one now called uh, Leonardo da Vinci and The Last Supper. It's about how he put the painting together. And it's absolutely fascinating, but there's, it's not like a dry history book. Like then in 1494, this happened. It's like he wrote on his notebook, um, "I've got to buy bread," or "I've got a German boy <laughs> working for me." And my favorite one that I just read yesterday was "bought wine for the morning," and that's Da Vinci <laughs> writing that, like you or I would write. That's what makes it good.
0: Greg Proops, what's the most valuable thing you have on your computer? Uh, That you'd be devastated if you lost.
1: All the pictures of my wife, probably, because I don't have hard copies of all of them. Like
0: up to a certain point in our life,
1: (laughs) yeah, up to the uh, early two thousands when it was still cameras and we still got everything printed, right. Uh, But I haven't printed out every single picture of.
0: Or... I was just thinking the same thing because I look around my apartment and I look at the photos and the frames and they're from at least 10 years mm-hmm. ago. Like I haven't – I've stopped updating. Right. Everything's virtual at this point. I
1: don't have any new photos in any of my picture frames. Yeah. And we have all these photo albums and they're all from the 90s and early 2000s. Right.
0: Cause... I know. And it's sort of scary when you think that all of that could be lost. In yeah. fact, I had a computer die many years ago uh, and thankfully a lot of it we were able to save like some of the stuff. Some of it was lost. Um, But then at that point I had this experience that I think many people who have had a computer crash have experienced, which is having someone who's into tech yell at you. You have to back up. You have to back up. You have to back up. Well, you know what will help you back up? Carbonite. I just installed this on my computer and it works really well. It works in the background. And now I know that all my stuff is there, including my very important, adorable photos of my puppy. And also some photos of Daniel and me on the day that we got engaged. <laughs> but seriously, like a buttload of cute puppy photos that I need to print out. A buttload. Yeah. I um, love that
1: measure. It's – it's,
0: it's – Perfectly elastic. Ooh. I mean, depending on the butt. Uh, but Carbonite <laughs> backs up your files to the cloud for you automatically whenever you're connected to the internet. And you guys can try it free at Carbonite.com. There's no credit card we- required to try it free. Use the offer code ROSEN and you get two bonus months with your purchase. So remember, that's Carbonite.com, offer code Rosen,
1: when are you getting married? Do you mind if I ask? You probably told your listeners a thousand times. No,
0: I actually don't think I have told them because it keeps moving. Oh, I see. We have been very. I'm familiar with that. We, we, yeah,
1: <laughs> the oh my god. Well, a wedding
0: is nothing other than a series of decisions. Yes, and uh, we are right up against the like decision making. I'm going to say deadline, but it's not a deadline. We're just we're, we're really hunkering down and trying to make some decisions. Originally, it was going to be December, but that is. There's no way that's going to happen now. December this year, yeah. Oh, originally, that's rushing right up. Yeah, yeah, no. There's no way. I think March now. Okay. Except a tiny bit, maybe April. Um, April's nice. I don't want to do it after. See, I, I am. I like Christmas. I like winter. I don't like summer. And yet, late like spring slash summer is really the most convenient time. Um, it's Are you gonna also, have it outside? I think the ceremony outside, reception Well, then inside. I go spring, yeah. Yeah.
1: Although here in LA, any month is good. It's right. 70 degrees on Christmas Day.
0: Except then there are people who are like, well, you know that April's the month that it rains the most. Where'd you get married? Uh,
1: we got married at City Hall in San Francisco. Uh, my wife and I had been, uh, I don't think I've ever told this story. Oh, good. Uh, we, we we were engaged, obviously, for several years. We'd lived together. And then... Uh, 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 finally, we got the blood test and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. And this, the, the, uh, in those days, this was some time ago, the blood test only lasted like two weeks. Like you had to do it within a this window of opportunity. Why Otherwise, did
0: you even have to do the blood test? Well, that's what, what are they, they, no, 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 I do.
1: I She's my sister? You know, <laughs> I didn't well, – I'm not from Kentucky. I didn't – you know, uh, you're awful pretty and we're related. Uh, she, we had to Our do
0: families a, get along.
1: Yeah, right. My, my uncle's your dad. Um, <laughs> and uh, she – but so there was a time limit. Like – so we hadn't done it and uh, we were going to do it in a big wedding and you know, my parents weren't being that cool at the time. And so we had an English friend staying with us and we were telling her about our big plans and we rented a, a, a the Italian-American hall. We we're going to have the reception in San Francisco. We we're going to get married at the Swedenborgian church, which is this beautiful uh, – not that either of us are religious in any mm-hmm. way. It was just this fuck-off location, right. you know, Uh uh, in, up in like in Pacific Heights in San Francisco. Oh, wow. And uh, this, our friend Carol stayed with us. And she goes, why are you guys doing this? And we went, well, because uh, – and no good reasons. And she went, I've got an idea. Why don't you go get married? And everyone else can jump on board when they fucking jump on board. You can have a reception for your friends after. And fuck your parents and fuck trying to please them and making sure that they're part of this thing when they're not being – Hip cool. to the, yeah. yeah And so we went, that's a really good idea. So we got the blood test, uh, long story short. Uh, the night before we're going to go get married, I go, uh, I'm going out with my friends. And my wife goes, well, fuck you, you know. What do you mean you're going out with your friends? We're getting married tomorrow. And I went, well, they want me to go out. You know, we're getting married. So she went out with her friends and I went out with mine. And we. I got irretrievably fucked up, of course. <laughs> and I just remember laying on the floor of the living room in San Francisco at the time and her standing over me screaming.
0: How romantic.
1: (laughs) And then the next morning, I go, get up. And she's like, no. And I went, get up. You're (laughs) getting married. And, you know, so we were a little green. uh, And uh, we got married in front of a city hall. uh, San Francisco just had the earthquake. So the city hall was all cracked to pieces. Mm -hmm. And that's where we got married. And then we had a a little reception a couple days later at the Tonga Room, which is uh, in the uh, um, uh, Fairmont Hotel in San Francisco. It, it it's a room where it rains inside and they have a tiki raft with a band on it. Oh, how And fun. so that's, we just, rather than like have a formal reception, we just want everybody, we're meeting at the Tonga room. So people just came. And...
0: Do you ever regret that you didn't have the original thing you were planning?
1: Not at all. Not in any way. My parents were being so intractable at that point that I, if I could have, I would have killed them. <laughs> uh, and they were, you know, like I remember I said to my dad, well, we're going to get married and my dad goes, well, I don't like flying so we're going to have to take a train. And I'm like, No, 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 no. That's not the answer. Yeah. That's not the answer I want to hear. So that was, you know, it eventually disintegrated. So no, getting married at City Hall, we went to lunch with our friend, uh, uh, who was our best man, my friend Reed, and, uh, we went to a, a fancy restaurant in San Francisco. Then we went and stayed at the Fairmont and, um. I said to the guy when I checked in, uh, you know, it's our wedding day. And he went, oh, then let me give you the bridal suite and gave us the suite that had a balcony that overlooked San Francisco and everything. And so it was, you know, it was one of those. It was nice. It was beautiful. It was romantic.
0: It, It makes me wonder if every person getting married has either does it or has the fantasy of just eloping in order to say, fuck all of you all. You're not coming. Because you're being dicks. Because um, I'm having a little bit of that. Well,
1: if it's really a dickish thing, then I would do it. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is remember that, you know, once you're married, that's, you know, uh, you can always have a big reception that has nothing to do with the actual ceremony. Right. Which I think is the part that everybody likes. Unless you're wildly religious or you're having it in the temple or, or you've got a friend that wants to marry you or, you know, it didn't matter to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not particularly religious and. And all of our friends did come, you know, after to the thing. Yeah. Uh, there's a few people's weddings I wished I got to go to. I missed a very good friend of mine's wedding in England a couple years ago because I just couldn't get over. And that one I wished I'd gone to, but most of the time it's, you know, you know what weddings are like. You don't get anything to eat, and then you drink a lot. And then by about four o'clock in the afternoon, you're like, God, I've got a fucking headache from champagne. <laughs> and then. You go outside and you smoke a joint and then at that point you're like, I'm desperate. And then you eat some fish thing off the thing and, you know.
0: That's every wedding for me. Then
1: bad music plays and <laughs> someone gets up and dances. And I've been to a couple fun ones. I've had to be the best man at a few and had to get up and give a speech and whatnot. I usually lean on the Wizard of Oz because that's a tip for the gentleman out there. Wizard of Oz. Because he says, uh, remember, my sentimental friend, that heart is not judged by how much it loves, but by how much it is loved by others. And now when I look around this room, I see that our hearts are full. Uh Oh. Oh, yeah. Nice. You got to have a little quip there at the end. I've heard about stories, you know, where they let the best man get up and, like, you know, dirty jokes. Yeah. Making fun and all that shit. It should not Uh, be a roast. Uh, 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 uh. Save that shit for the bachelor party.
0: Yeah.
2: The
1: bachelor party can be as big a roast Mm -hmm. as you want. You take the guy's pants down, put a dildo up his thing, take a picture of him with draw a cock on his head, whatever. (laughs) That's fine. The day that the families are there and the women are there and everybody's there, that's only approbation, baby. You yeah. just keep praise on everybody. You can't start in on the, well, I, think, I can't believe he's marrying this fucking chick. So choose that shit carefully. Whoever you're letting speak, make sure they're articulate. And that they will fund a poem or they will fund a piece that's nice. I
0: have a word nerd thing to bring up. Isn't it weird that approbation and opprobrium – Sound so similar, but I think they are opposites.
1: I, th- I believe they are.
0: Yeah, it's weird. I wonder if I wonder what the roots of those things are.
1: It sounds Latin to me, or maybe Greek, right?
0: Perhaps I don't know. I never took Latin or Greek, and I wish me I neither. had. I
1: do too. Yeah. I wish I'd learned Latin. I took Spanish, but well, Spanish is heavily Latin. I mean, you're you're learning a lot of the root words. So.
0: Yeah, but I I feel like I just go to the source.
1: I know, like carcer, right? In Incarceration.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: carcer is the prison.
0: I see. I did not know that.
1: In re- in Latin, carcer yeah. is prison, there you and go. all those things. Well, we have Latin all over everything and we don't understand any of it. For instance, why does the money say e pluribus unum on it, one out of many? That's some sort of weird Mason shit that we're not privy to. That's white guy in wig stuff in the back room with weird masks on. Yeah. There's no reason for the e pluribus unum to be on our money that I can figure out. But you do hear Latin phrases all the time like uh, habeas corpus and whatever. In vino veritas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now people say – in vino veritas. That's one of my favorites.
0: <laughs> let's Carve do... Carpe Canum
1: is my favorite.
0: What does Be, that mean? Beware of dog. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Carpe Canum. Yeah, seize, seize the, the dog. dog. Um, <laughs> let's Let's do a quick... <laughs> let my dog go. <laughs> let's do a quick just or everyone. Now... Sometimes I
2: ponder on...
0: Greg Proops, you may remember this segment as the one that you mocked just shamelessly at the live show because it's just it – did I Remember? Yeah, but it was, it was hilarious. In fact, you sang a little closing song that I made Gary play for a while. And some of the lines were, um, like, there's a chicken on my stoop, and <laughs> there's pudding, and I'm scared. <laughs> and I think that Allison will relate to all of this. Anyway. Well, Doug and
1: I had been in his room for a long time before we came up to the show. So,
0: yeah, it you know. seemed that way. Yeah. Um, Brian Pruitt says, I use, but you guys were great. I use my spare car key once a week to make sure it still works. Just mirror everyone. No, I never use my Just spare. Just him. Yeah. Mike J says, uh, very careful to order large, small, or medium each time at Starbucks to prevent saying venti and such in the smaller shops. No, I use their dumb language.
1: Is it venti or bente? Uh, it's vente, oh, isn't it? I think
0: it? it's, yeah. With the
1: v- if you were really going to pronounce it, it, it would be bente, wouldn't it? If you were speaking Latin. Yeah, if that was Italian.
0: Perhaps I don't does it, know. Does
1: venti even a word in Italian? Twenty. Oh, it's yeah, it means the twenty, 20 ounce. 20 oh, of coffee. dig! I see what they did. God damn! I never knew that till this second. There you are. How about that?
0: How enlightening! But in do... Italy,
1: you pay first, and that took me a while to learn. Really? Yeah, you pay for. You go do you a cappuccino or whatever, and they give you two, and then but you pay first, and because I remember the guy looking at me every day for a week in Florence like I was an idiot until I finally figured out that everyone else was paying first.
0: You order and then you pay and then you get your coffee. you yeah. mean?
1: Yes. You don't go at the end like we do here.
0: Right, like if you're having a waitress service.
1: I think if you said Bente in in Italy, they would be like, what the fuck is your problem? You know, it's such a Starbuckian. Yes. And Starbucks is named after. Moby Dick. Yeah.
0: There you go. Vanessa. There's always a
1: Moby Dick connection.
0: I avoid certain items, certain food items at family gatherings depending on who made it, judged mostly on the cleanliness of their house. No, I don't. I, I I avoid it depending on how it looks. But I guess I don't often think, oh, that person is gross. I bet their food's gross.
1: The only <laughs> time I freak out is like if you go to a barbecue and they're doing like raw chicken and they're putting it on the grill. And I see that it's touching different things or that they've used the utensils. That's when I panic a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm that anal. Her picture's really cute on her. Uh,
0: Congrats, her, her Vanessa. Greg Proops thinks you're cute. She is cute. Melissa Acosta says, although I don't go... Jodie Foster. Yeah, you're right. A bit. Although I don't go out of my way to do this, whenever my underwear matches my shirt or outfit, I feel especially cute. That's cute. Mm. Do you feel that way?
1: Uh, No, but I think it's cute. (laughs) Does
0: your underwear ever match your outfit?
1: Um, I usually wear black underwear. Uh, What does Bill Murray say in stripes? I don't usually wear underwear. When I do, it's usually something pretty exciting. (laughs) Uh, there's a really groovy for the fellows uh, underwear concern called Moods of Norway. I think they're on Melrose and they have hilarious... They have their album. I was given one, I yeah, know, right? They came after uh, uh, Ace of Base and before uh, the cardigans. Um, they... Uh, th- I was given one as a joke when I was on a TV show, like, it's your birthday, so they gave me the gag present, and it was, like, disco underwear pants or whatever. Mm. And I brought them home, and I wouldn't wear them. And then I finally showed them to my wife, and she was like, those are really cute. And then I have a few moods now. I don't have them on now, otherwise I would actually show you. But they, they have, like, chi-chi trains or whatever <laughs> on them, you know. I like
0: that. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun-er-wear. its fun Anthony Campoto says. But
1: matching your outfit to your underwear? I yeah. think with women it's a little – like, if a girl – Takes off her uh, clothes and she's got like the, to die for fucking black brawn, black panties. Than that, that is an exciting moment. Very. Yeah, that's really exciting and for guys. On the,
3: on the topic of, of accessories and clothing, I'd like to point out that earlier in the show, Greg had to blow his nose and I pulled know. out a matching handkerchief that is just dope. And it's he's always wearing cool, yeah. super snazzy socks too. Great style on this. Thank man. you, Maddie. These are Paul Smith. This I, is a. Can Thomas I see tank. your sock?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. Nice.
1: This is a. Uh, if the fellows want to get handkerchiefs, and I urge you to, uh, uh, Thomas Pink, uh, because they do, the, they do the colorful ones. I hate white handkerchiefs. Yeah. They're gross. Yeah. They're gross. That's stupid. It's stupid because it shows everything. Yeah.
0: Does it's Thomas like- Pink put his stuff on Amazon?
1: might do. <laughs> I, I think there's a Thomas Pink at Beverly Hills or something. They, you know what they do best? I mean, they do shirts. They, that's what they do, is shirts. But it's all the accessories for them that I love the most because they do colorful handkerchiefs and collar stays that come in a little bindle. Oh, how fun. Because so mm-hmm. all my shirts require collar stays. Right. And their shirts are nice too. Thank you. They're yeah, their shirts are fat. Well, you know what I'm talking about. But they're and nice. they do great socks as well. Yeah, yeah. And underwear. So it's a, good, it's a fun place. And not wildly expensive.
0: I feel like I'm going to go there next time I need to buy when, some kind of gift. When Danny
1: needs something.
0: <laughs> That's right. Um, We're
1: moods of Norway. Or as I yeah. like to call it, moobs of Norway because I'm a little older. Yeah,
0: I like that. Heather says, is it just me or does everyone have problems closing the pizza box? Everyone, I think. I, I think it's everyone. Yeah, because there's those extra flappy things. There's like pizza box stays.
1: Once you open it. It's impossible to close the first time out, especially if you're drinking beer or there's a crowd or whatever.
0: Yeah.
3: I I would argue it is impossible to properly close a pizza box that's been opened with one hand. Once it's opened. You need two hands and and that's even still very Well, often. you have to push
1: the two bloody flaps in, yeah. and then they have to go into those little slots.
0: Why does it need to be s- to close so securely?
1: To keep the heat in when you're delivering it. As oh, a is p- that? I, I, oh. As mentioned, I was a pizza delivery boy, and okay. meth, and, uh, <laughs> and if the pizza box is closed. And then they put it in a styrofoam container, that's what's in the back of the car, which in Pizza Talk is called the oven. Oh. So you carry, the, you carry a styrofoam oven with you that all the pizzas live in, and they live on top of each other. And each house you go to, you pull your pizza out. and But it takes like you a while to get from one to the next. To, in England and in foreign countries, it's always a Vespa. And often, sometimes in London, a sexy Brazilian girl will pull up on a Vespa wow. with the pizza. Because they just got a big oven on the back of their Vespa.
0: Doesn't it seem like oven, <laughs> it's, it's I feel like that's. It's weird to call that an oven when in pizza parlance there is an oven that yeah, is used frequently. it comes out of an oven.
1: Always cooked right. an oven.
0: Shouldn't they give it some other name? Mm.
1: Like the, warmer, the warmer the yeah. warmer thing? I don't know. Yeah. I've heard hot bag before. Hot, hot bag. bag. The, well, the hot bag hot. Is, the, is the one that, that has the micro. <laughs> yeah, the keeps
3: You plug into the cigarette lighter. Yeah. But yeah, I, what you were talking about with like the oven on the back of the Vespa, that's awesome. Like they have that in Cancun and stuff too. Right. Like certain places in Mexico, you can just hail down a pizza. Guys driving great? down the street, and you just wave yeah. at him. And Boom! I need a pepperoni. Pull, yeah, pull a pepperoni out for five bucks. Great.
1: It, the, on the, the Vespa's quicker, mm-hmm. uh, and it can go anywhere. And in the weather, the weather in London is so shitty that it's always raining. Right. So, like the idea of driving a car through the streets and having to find a fucking place to park in London, your car yeah. in front of a house is impossible. So you need something you pull up on the sidewalk or whatever. It's
0: smart. If it didn't scare the shit out of me, I would travel by Vespa.
1: I know. You can't do it in L.A. You'll just get creamed.
0: Yeah. Brent Hudson says, I will grab a silverware setting off an empty table instead of asking my server to get me one. Yeah, sometimes. Depending. I I wouldn't
1: say everyone. I'd say he does it. I've done it. But
0: you're not proud of it?
1: Well, if they're taking forever, I'll do it. Or if I can't get their attention or if they've fucked off to the end of the universe and I'm impatient because I'm often impatient. But no, I'll usually wait or ask.
0: Speaking of Europe, I think I was in France, um, and I grabbed a mustard off of the oh yeah they i 'm surprised they didn 't throw me out of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. It was early ish in the morning, mm-hmm. yeah, because my sister and I had just arrived there, um, and I think the hotel wasn 't ready yet, right so it, like everyone was drinking their espresso and I don't know what we, I guess I needed mustard for something. I think we we were having breakfast, but um, there was like this.
1: You were having a hot dog. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, something classically French. Um... <clears throat> <A> Chiencho. <laughs> there was this like um, <laughs> sidebar thing with a lot of con with all the like, ketchup and mustard or whatever. I yeah. mean, they didn't have ketchup, but you know. So I just just took a mustard off of there and they looked at me like they wanted to kill me I felt so American in that moment
1: the service is strictly delineated there and they don't like
0: I guess yeah
1: I was in an Italian grocery store once but it was a very fancy one and I picked up a piece of fruit out of the thing
0: you're not allowed to do that
1: it was a really fancy store and the woman came over and was like and then I put it back and then she picked it up and put it in a thing for me and I was like oh right you know, what, well, you just a...
0: point to your fruit, and they yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. When you go to the greengrocer yeah. in those places, it's like, "Show me the oranges," and then they show you.
0: That involves a lot of communication in another language. Well, we're used to
1: going to supermarkets where you just grab right. everything, right? But if there's a person standing there and it's their job to fucking yeah. put fruit in the bag, then... oh, right,
0: you're taking you're yeah, taking money out of their yeah, hands, yeah, yeah, conceivably. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Why not just walk up to the shoe shine stand and take out the rag and start doing your own shoes? You know, like
0: they should have self service shoe shine. Stands. Well, they have
1: those – for men, they have the hilarious whirly ones oh, yeah. that live in old-time bathrooms,
0: <laughs> which what? I
1: always use because they're fantastic and they – you know.
0: That sounds fun. I've, yeah. never, I've never had a chance to get a, near the swirly it, it's thing. It's a pole
1: and there's a button on the top of it. And hilariously, there's a red swirly thing and a black one. Depending on the color it, of your yeah, shoe. Yeah, and you put your foot under it and go – Funny shit. Yeah. yeah. It's a treat.
0: Speaking of things that are fun as shit, I was just – Reading Yelp reviews. Do you guys ever go to self-service car washes? And would you say that experience is fun as shit? Or is it more fun to let someone wash your car?
1: I prefer to go to a car wash where they wash, but I have been to the self-service ones. Same here. Uh, The thing about the self-service ones is you've got to bring an extra rag or two to dry the fucking car off. Because if you don't, the car, it looks like you didn't wash it.
3: Yeah, that's true. They have this, like gimmick of it the, the last one is like uh, spotless spotless water dry mm-hmm. that's bullshit never works no. okay. and you have to be very careful about the brushes like because if you don't look at the brush beforehand like people drop that shit on the ground and like rock will get lodged in uh-huh. there and then you'll just pick it up off the
1: like stand to go wash your car and you'll
3: fucking scratch the entire side of your car up yep
1: And they sell you the little rags that you're supposed to dry your car off with, and it's like a handy wipe from 1971. Mm -hmm. Like it couldn't the moisture after two seconds. It's you know like you literally have to bring like a beach towel or something. So I think that those things are
3: okay, but you have to plan ahead and be very careful, and never
1: roll your window down if it's got the moisture on it because then it's just a streak. mess for the end of time, even when you get
3: should have gotten past that by now. Yeah, I feel like. The new Mercedes or something should have a drying thing in the bottom.
0: Yes, it should have a window heater dryer thing.
3: We we shouldn't be dealing with this, right? No. Because,
0: see, Gary, I went to the car wash that you recommended, and I liked it, but I felt like it – the smell inside the car after was not good, and I saw and I noticed on Yelp someone talked about like the rags smelling. But they do for a certain amount for extra, you can get air freshener. But I don't want that because I'm trying to maintain the new car smell. I don't think I can. I in the never car, get the though. Air You're freshener. never
3: going to maintain the new car smell. I
0: want. Forever. I know. I get There's in my one car called and I car sniff. Car smell, though, yeah, now. but yeah. that's just a tease. I get in my car and I'm like, and everyone that gets in my car, I ask them if it still smells like new car. Well,
1: eventually, they don't.
0: I know. How do you I want to preserve it?
1: Well there is a there is a smell called New Car Smell, but uh, I don't think it actually is authentic. That's an option that. at that place, but where do you go? Oh, there's one right here
3: on uh, the Sonora, and, Sonora yeah, it's auto Spa.
0: Sonora. I like the
1: one I like Santa Palma on Santa Monica uh, over in West Hollywood because they have a wall of fame mm-hmm. and it's Sandal Bergman, uh uh Ricardo Montalban from Wrath of Khan, <laughs> it's uh Jessica Hahn who had the affair years ago. Yeah, I would- it, so all who the biggest the stars with? of today. Was
0: it Gary Hart? Yeah.
1: No, no. That was... Um, Gary Condit? Yeah. It was like one of the... No, it wasn't either it Gary. Was, God damn it. Who did Jessica Hahn? Will you look up Jessica Was
0: It wasn't but, John I mean, those, That's was the
1: it. era of stars we're talking about. It's fantastic. There's so many dead ones on the wall. And just the picture of Ricardo Montalban in his Wrath of Khan <laughs> outfit with the two blonde girls hanging off of him is the Jim one... Baker. and.
0: Oh, Jim Baker, Jim Baker. He, right. She brought down Jim,
1: this is the late 80s. Yeah. So, and his says like, Santa pump car wash. Thank you so much for keeping my car clean. <laughs> you know, like I love their wall of fame. Some of them are so faded you can't see them anymore. And then there's the composite ones from some actors where like, I'm in a baseball uniform. I'm a priest, you know. That to me is the fun. Oh, part. I like that. The comp yeah. card.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Real quick. Michael D says, I feel the need to teach young kids about important terms that no longer exist, like rewind movie and roll up a window. I don't talk to kids that often.
1: I mean, I do on my podcast because I'm inevitably talking about things that happened 30 or 40 years ago. So sometimes I'll have to stop and explain what a record cleaner is, or something. <laughs> or,
3: or, oh wh- yeah, or those little.
0: No, huh? i'm kidding.
1: Does he mean like the crank thing?
0: Yeah, I still roll my windows
3: roll up, up the window. all the
1: time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think he means the crank thing. But it's, yeah, still, it's still referring. It's. it's still I guess the, you the put term. your window up.
1: You know what they don't have anymore that no one would ever remember is the little vent window that was in the s- both sides of the front seat. That you could angle? You you, tr- you opened it with a little thing like that and you pushed it. And so yeah. the smoke would blow out or whatever somehow. Uh-huh. But they stopped making those, oh, my God, in the 70s? Yeah. Well, I don't remember the last time I saw the vent. Late 70s,
0: for sure. Jason Dix, I don't weigh myself because if I knew how much I weighed, there's no way I'd keep eating the junk that I do. I'm illogical. Hmm. Um, no, I'm a lady, so I have to weigh myself multiple times a day, except for certain days where I put the scale in another room because I don't want to weigh myself. But I'm psychotic. Um, Do you weigh yourself
1: every day? No.
0: Um, I – no, not every day because invariably there will be days of the week where I feel like I don't think it's going to be good and I don't want to see it. But then the more that I – the more I think about that, the more I'm like, oh, I just have to get on and see. I, I kind of – I'm – I think most women are like this, but yeah. neurotic about the scale. Yeah. So I would not say I wear myself every day. And there's always, you know, during that time of month, I definitely like have a more conflicted relationship with the scale. So I actually literally will take the scale, take it out of the bathroom, put it, under mm-hmm. the bed so mm-hmm. that I'm not vexed by it. What about sight? hotels
1: where they have a scale? In the
0: no, I never want to do that.
1: Remember those kind of places? Yeah. Like, some places do. All of a sudden you're in a hotel and you're like, oh, why is that here? Yeah, I know. I'm on holiday or I'm on, I'm just, right. I mean, just at your state room service. I don't want the scale. But
0: I mean, sometimes it could be like a bank error in your favor where you're like, I don't know how this fucker's calibrated, but I'm light yeah, on the yeah, scale. Right.
1: This one shorted me four pounds and I love it. <laughs> I I won't get on a scale wearing clothes of any kind. Oh,
0: no. I take my watch off.
1: Oh, no. Right. Exactly. If I could do it without my glasses, I would do it. Like, every ounce counts. Because, you know, you go in for your physical at the doctor. And I'm always wearing, like, boots and a coat or whatever. Yeah. And and they're like, hop on the the scale. Right. And they say hop on, right? And you're like, I don't weigh 285. You know? (laughs) Like,
0: let me take everything off. and You know? I promise you I can
1: get lighter than know.
0: Yeah. No, I feel the same way at the doctor's office. I feel like, sorry, I have to remove... Everything below the waist and also above the waist, but yeah. here we go.
1: Yeah, when you're wearing like boots, it's like no, those weigh five pounds. The jeans, yeah. yeah, all of it. Oh, no. you're exactly. adding, and then they then they write it down. Oh, the you know the big ass figure, and you're like, but I don't weigh that, right? You you you've added a bunch of weight to me because you've weighed me. You know, I'm wearing a puffy jacket and a <laughs> and a buffalo hat.
0: <laughs> That's how I dress. That's when right. I go to the doctor. <laughs> How cold is it when you go it's to the doctor? It's just
1: unfair is all I'm saying. I know. But anything. I just can't weigh myself unless,
0: yeah. You know. I'm with you. Well, Greg Proops, this has been delightful. Thank, Thank you, you, you so much for coming on the show. Um, so everyone stay tuned for where you can go get Greg's special. And they can follow you on Twitter at Greg Proops. Yes, please. And they can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. And if you're going to buy something on Amazon, perhaps a pocket square, some fun socks, some fabulous underwear, shirts, any sort of thing like that, why not click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com? It does not cost you anything extra, but it helps out the show. Also, we have a ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. That is from the Hey Go Fuck Yourself segment, which we do. We used to do it all the time. Now we do it periodically. But on the, sh- the Thursday show last week, we did a huge Hey Go Fuck Yourself segment, which got surprisingly deep and poignant because Chris revealed something and it was nuts and it was emotional, but it, but it was really cathartic, I think. Um, and then also I uh, aired a bunch of petty grudges against people. Um, so go check that out and get the ringtone. You need this. You just do. You can get that by searching, hey, go fuck yourself uh, with your iPhone in the iTunes store. And I think, let's see, Gary, is there anything I'm missing? I think that is it. Greg, thank you so, so much. You guys, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye.
2: Hey, do you know about the Allison and show? show. show